Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there. Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Helen Sanchez. She has worked as a recruiter and in recruiting management. She is the founder and owner of Tanagi LLC. Welcome, Helen. How are you doing today? Thank you, Brad. I'm doing well, and I hope you're doing well. And, and good morning to everyone. I am, and I'm so excited to have you here and jump in and share all the beautiful light that you put out into the world through the work you do, through the woman that you are. So with that being said, let us jump right in. So as I mentioned, you have worked as a recruiter. You've worked in recruiting management. You are the founder and owner of Tanagi LLC. Can you tell us how long ago you started Tanagi LLC and tell us a little bit about the company? Yes, uh, I started Tanagi in 2020 and the company Basically, what I do is I do one-on-one coaching with primarily women over 40. Uh, I also do events um, discussing managing ageism in your job search and helping people to overcome the, the standard hurdles. And I also facilitate a course about identifying and building a plan for your next chapter. So that's primarily what we do. It's just all about helping, as you said, women over 40 with their career goals and with identifying those goals and with how to best help themselves to right. achieve them. Can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind starting the company? Yes. I was in, as you said, recruiting for many years. It feels like a hundred years, <laughs> but not quite. But I had encountered both over the years when I think back, I think in terms of ageism now, but when I think back over the years, I had my first encounter with discrimination was actually gender discrimination. So I moved on from that and got older and encountered some age discrimination in my work and also did some research when I was getting my degree in women and gender studies related to age discrimination in the workplace and how it impacts women. And I was just astonished at the disparities between approaches to men and approaches to women. The one quote that stuck with me and really inspired me that everyone I think is familiar with is that men age like fine wine and women just age. And so it was just like, yeah, no, that's not (laughs) that That doesn't work at all. (laughs) So I just, I had been furloughed during COVID and I incidentally was the only manager. I was the oldest manager, but the only manager furloughed during COVID, which was fine because it gave me the opportunity to think about what I wanted to do and pursue what I was passionate about to find out what that was and then pursue it. I've over the years in my recruiting, the one thing I've loved, I've always loved loved working with people. I've loved helping them be successful. It's given me the greatest reward. So I I applied that and said, okay, 
And I had gotten my coaching certification about 10 years ago. I used it at work because I managed a medium-sized team that was virtual. We were virtual for 13 years. So I decided to take the two and put them together and go out on my own. So one of my happiest days was when they called me to come back and I said, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That must have been very powerful for you. It was very rewarding. It it was. They actually called me on a Tuesday and I said, okay, well, I'm graduating tomorrow. I can't answer you. I'll call you Thursday. (laughs) So you're going to have to wait. (laughs) Exactly. Wait for my no. (laughs) So you called them back on the Thursday. And And said, thank you for the offer, but because you absolutely must never burn a bridge. So I said, thank you for the offer, but I've done some things on my own while I was on furlough and I'm going to pursue that. It's been good for me. And how did they react to that no, that decline, that polite decline? (laughs) I have to say, my immediate superior said, well, if you change your mind, we're happy to take you back. And then I did get an email from his superior and say that he was actually happy that I had found something that I enjoyed and wished me the best of luck. Well, that's good. So you parted ways on good terms, which is like you said, burning bridges is never a good idea. So excellent. So what is your role within the company and how has your role evolved from when you first started it to now? Well, I do the one-on-one coaching. As I said, I do the events. I do the public speaking of the events and I facilitate the course. That's primarily what I spend my time with when I do. The coaching can be related to something as simple as someone wanting me to help them format their resume so that their age isn't standing out. To interview coaching, which people get very nervous about. And so it's important to practice, whether you practice with a coach or practice on your own. It's important to be well-educated on where you're going and what you're pursuing and to practice. So that's primarily what I do. I have written some articles also on confidence in women, on the imposter syndrome, on those types of things. And I think how it's evolved is, of course, when you're first starting out, you're spending a lot of time creating what your brand is. And also, of course, I did start when COVID started, but prior to that, a lot of my work had been one-on-one live. And now, so then we evolved to setting up a system to coach on Zoom. And it evolved, I think, very successfully. And I have dealt with a lot of people basically all over the world, actually. So there's that benefit to it. And and I enjoy it. Yeah. As you also connect yeah. with people all over the world. Yeah, it's amazing. It truly is what technology has done for us. Have you seen any kind of evolution in terms of and around ageism from when you left and dealt with it in your career to now? I know what you said you started in 2020, so it's only been three years. We're going into the fourth year, but have you seen any shifts or evolution in that and less prejudice? I think if we wanted to call it an iceberg, it's we've made chips, but not something that's, I mean, it's in the forefront now. It's in conversations. Life expectancy has increased. So quality of life has increased. So the conversations, the books, the studies are around both the benefits of companies across generational teams that have different perspectives that then make them more successful. Also around the idea that companies need to become more flexible There are companies today who have programs where they called returnships, where they embrace older people who have experience and they value that experience, but it's not an across the board. And the Age Discrimination and Employment Act in the United States is still very weak. So the burden entirely falls on the employee for establishing that it happened. So I think there have been some changes, but I think that it will be slower and then overnight and that we just keep 
need to keep making progress. I think one of the things that's important is for people to speak out, for sure. people to share their stories, to make people aware. Even, for example, if you're in a job and there are microaggressions and people are saying uh, snarky things about your technology skills or calling you mom or pop, or you can politely call them out. And just say, I'm sorry, I think I misunderstood you. (laughs) Once you put a spotlight on them, they'll usually back off. And if you have something that's substantial, you can always engage HR. But I think people need to start calling it out more. And we need to continue educating people on the value so that it does just continue to grow. But But it has a bit. But again, the ageism seems to be primarily focused on women. And women seem to be the ones, most of them are the ones impacted as women. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of that, one of my children tells me my favorite expression, social construction, is the social construction of what women should look like, what they should uh, come to work like, what they should do. And you see even uh, a lot of celebrities today talk about that because that obviously was dominant in in that industry for so long. And they talk about how this is a creation. It's the same thing, honestly, not just with women, but with older people. When you see a commercial, when you see a TV show, they're fumbling, they're foolish, they're not in tune. We need to change that entire image. Absolutely. And I think that things are changing little by little. But again, it just goes back to the whole overall thing of ageism and the wheels are moving quite slowly Mm -hmm. and we need to continue moving forward. And I don't know if we can speed things up at all, but they do. It's great to see that we are changing, that things are changing, but I don't think it's happening nearly quick enough. Oh, I agree. I absolutely agree with you. But you see things, more conferences, more studies, more just people with visibility addressing the issues. And so I think that perhaps we'll reach a point where it will all of a sudden become more a fair playing field and more embraced because the companies that are doing it are successful. So hopefully they'll lead. Well, the more we talk about it, the more we shine a light on it, which Mm -hmm. then enables the change to happen. And continue to happen and happen a little bit quicker. Yeah, absolutely. I partner with a woman in South Africa who actually wrote the course that I facilitate. And she attended a conference in Scotland that was about aging and how society can adapt to it and embrace it. And again, it's because not just that life expectancy is increasing, but quality of life. And so people are going to be working longer. We see people today in their 70s and 80s. Here I am working. (laughs) And so we're coming also from the perspective that, and, and this is a little bit of what our course talks about. So people need to plan differently because right. when I grew up, you went to school, you graduated, you got a job and you worked to a 65 and you retired. Yeah, it, it doesn't happen that way. It shouldn't happen that no. way. And people need to break their lives into chapters mm-hmm. where they can be challenged and do things they're passionate about because you're not going to do that for 80 years if you're not happy with it. You need to find the thing that makes you happy. They say that 50% of the children born today will live to 100 probably. So yeah, it's amazing. So we need to start, and we have started talking about and studying how to implement these changes. There are so many books that talk about breaking into four segments of your life, 25-year segments, and doing the passionate things at the end. And also the Japanese process of Ikigai, which we cover in the course, is is finding what you can do, what you love to do, and what you can get paid to do, and what the world needs, and putting that all together to determine what your next chapter will be. There is some of it out there, but as yeah. you said, it's slow. 
and as your son said, the social construct. And so this conditioning that we are, this is what we're supposed to do. Follow that path. You go to school, get out, get a job, get married, have a family. That doesn't work anymore. That doesn't fly anymore. And they say that the generations coming up now, they're going to have three or four different careers in their lifetime. Whereas I think about my parents and it was one career. You were there 30, 40, 50 years and you retired and that's it, yeah. right? Yeah. One employer for so many years. I yeah. had brothers. That's the way it was. It's not been that way for quite a while. You get your watch for 25 years of service and yes, all of these yes, things, right? Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. That, that was the mindset. That was the social acceptance of it. And that all has to change. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it is, I mean, we're seeing that now and there's a lot more people stepping into entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship is not for everybody, right? The world needs ditch diggers and they will always be there and that's okay. We need those people to make the world go round, but life does not have to be lived the way we've been conditioned and brought up to believe that it has to be. Absolutely. It's restructuring your life, but it's doing what you love to do. So if it is the ditch digging, it's identifying what it is that you love to do Mm -hmm. and then planning how to do it. So for example, you may want to do something. We talk about people who love working with children. Maybe they'll become tutors or I had a client who loved Excel. So he wound up then becoming a consultant that he trains people on Excel and that's what he does now. So it's identifying what you would love to do, what would make you happy, and then building a plan on how you can do that. And it's kind of interesting to me. And I think that's changing a little bit. People need to start thinking about this early exactly. in their forties is yes. absolutely. They should be start thinking, being starting to think about what is it that I'm going to want to do? And then maybe they'll have to do it as we, the, the phraseology comes up the gig as yeah. a side gig for now, and yeah. then build their way into it. They have to look at all aspects of what their needs are, both financial and, and personal and for reward, for success. They have to look at all those pieces and then decide how they can do it. How can I get there in in two years, three years, five years? Yeah, what are the steps I need to take to make it happen? And you're absolutely right. Not everyone is cut out for entrepreneurship. So that's what it's deciding, for example, if you want to stay in the corporate realm. Well, how do you want to do that? Do you want to be a consultant? Do you want to be a CEO in in five years? What is it you want to achieve? Because if you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. That's right. And so with your career as a recruiter in recruiting management and now coaching, how have these experiences helped shape the Helen you are today, do you think, both personally and professionally? Oh, my goodness. I think that they've given me, interestingly, both myself and the woman I partner with said when we started doing this, that she's done it more years than me, but we were not very comfortable with public speaking, which we both are now. She actually said she would look at someone and say, I can't do that. And now she is a public speaker. <laughs> so I think it's it part that. It's part just one of the things that frustrates me greatly when I work with women is their ability to undervalue themselves, to not have the confidence they need, to not understand that everything they've done in their life has given them skills, has value, and they need to look at it from that perspective. So I think it's given me a lot of insight into what women are challenged with. So it's made me, I think, more determined to continue to, this is what some of us will say, we'll never retire. I'm one of those. But (laughs) 
I would like to just be a person who continues to move forward the idea that age discrimination should not exist. Intersectional discrimination of women in aging should not exist. Yeah. So we just need to get on with it and make changes. And I think that's the way over the years, again, as I think back to all of my experiences and to my research in school and to my studies, I just think that's my mission, I guess. I love it. And that's a beautiful mission and it's important work that needs to be done. So it's good that you are championing that and leading that charge on the ageism discrimination. What would you say was the biggest or most valuable takeaway or lesson for you through your experiences? Through all of my experiences, I think think that the most valuable thing that I would take away and would, if I had to tell you one thing, if I were mentoring you, to treat people with respect. I mean, over the years, I've recruited people from that ditch digger. I recruited in pharmaceuticals for 10 years. And the person who ran the, the plant or the person who worked in the plant to the scientist. But everyone needs to be treated with respect. And the thing that I find for me, that was missing when I was working a lot, especially in the last 10 or 15 years, was interest in connecting with that person as a human being. It's just, okay, you're a dishwasher, I'll find you a dishwasher job. Not caring whether they wanted to do something else, whether they wanted to do more. And I think that's true of recruiters, as well as companies where they only perceive the person as a commodity to do what the, the task they need done. And I think some of that caught up with them in COVID. Yeah. In the pandemic, because people got tired of being taken for granted. Absolutely. And, and saw that they might have another option. Yeah, you saw so, a lot of shifts. Yes. So I think that's the biggest thing I took away was just how important it is to treat people with respect, to care about their desires, and how little it's done. What, in your opinion, then, is the most important or one of the most important qualities or skill sets in a coach that works with the type of clients that you do? Oh, my goodness. I think the most important is listening skills. I think you need to not talk as much and listen and not just listen, but understand what they're saying. Sometimes they're saying something that if you dig a little deeper, you understand what the problem is. And so I think it's absolutely listening skills. A lot of people do not, they listen to respond. That's yes. it. They don't yes. listen to actually hear what the person is saying. They don't go into conversations with an open mind and open ears. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And again, not to pick on the recruiters, but sometimes <laughs> they have a box or hiring managers. Yep. They have a box. This is what I want. And they'll overlook someone who would be perfect because it doesn't fit right in their box mm-hmm. or they don't fit right in their box. And it's a shame because you lose an awful lot. Yeah, of- you're missing out. Yeah. What is it that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else? I think in some of the feedback I've gotten, even from the events that I do, it's sharing very specific and practical information with them on how they should present themselves, how they put their best feet forward, and how important some of the tools that we talk about can be for them, networking that people shy away from when they're older, all of those things. But I think also it is all those years of experience because I understand how the recruiters are working or the hiring managers are working and how to get around them or how sometimes you have to walk away. If they're pressing you, for example, this is a question I get frequently. If they're pressing you on trying to discover your age and trying to do it slyly, maybe it's not a place you want to be because that's going to be an issue at some point. 
So maybe you need to rethink whether you want to be there. So I think it's, I'm a very honest person, very direct. Sometimes that's considered my flaw. But I think think that's it. It's just, I have a lot of practical suggestions. I focus only on their career passions and paths and what they want to do with them. And yeah, so I I think that's probably the strongest thing I guess. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work you do as a coach? I would have to say seeing people get excited about themselves, being successful and helping them be confident when they present themselves, be confident, understanding their value. As I say to them, what you bring to the table is valuable. And that's what you need to share when you go into an interview, the value that you're going to bring to them. The learning curve is going to be small because you bring this and that, but seeing them go, oh, yes. The light bulb um, moment. Yes, that's the best. That's absolutely yeah. the best. Now, on the flip side of that, what would you say is one of the most difficult parts of your job as a coach? For me, it's usually setting boundaries. Okay. It's usually, I do, for example, a 15-minute consultation that almost never runs 15 minutes. <laughs> 30, I can't 30 minutes. <laughs> So I think it's probably that I would have to say the most difficult part for me because I I love everything else. So that would be the only thing. And that's a challenge, but I don't have an issue. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say are the three most important lessons you've learned as a coach? I would say it's knowing how to work with your clients. I think it's focusing on positive affirmations. I'm, I've, grown up and lived my life entirely as a glass half full person. So I don't agree with people who say, well, I'm 66 and I'm not going to find another job. So I think you need to give them the positive affirmations that they can see that's wrong too. And I think the last thing that's very important is if you meet with someone in one of your consultations and feel that you're not going to be able to help them, that it's not a fit, that you need to be honest and tell them that. So I think that's important. Yeah, because not everybody is going to be your cup of tea and you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea, right? It goes both ways and you need to be upfront about that. If there's not that energetic match, if there's not that match that you think that you can be of service to them, you need to be honest and upfront about it and tell them. Absolutely. I agree. How has your coaching style evolved from when you first started? Now, obviously you were coaching as a recruiter as well, to some degree. How has it evolved since you first started out to where you are now? Well, now I absolutely think it's that it's a person-centered approach. So when I originally got certified as a coach and I was managing a team, I would certainly work with my team individually, but it was also a team effort. So now it's person-centered. It's understanding your client, what their needs are, and how you can help them to get those successes. So I think it's just evolving to more person-centered and more individualized. What would you say then was the biggest piece of inspiration for you to become a career coach, particularly focusing on women over 40? I know part of that is your dealings with ageism in your career, but what were some of the other things that inspired you to focus particularly on women over 40? Well, it was basically... A lot of, in my studies, a lot of the challenges that they face and the fact that, for example, it's, uh, I believe the statistic in last year was 10% of Fortune 500 companies have women as CEOs, but they're 40% of management. So there's so many places where women are overlooked or, for example, when you see a celebrity or you see a politician, a woman, 
they'll question whether she, what she's wearing, how her hair looks, whether her voice is gravelly, all of these things that men never, ever have to answer. But they have no bearing on what they do. On the role or the job or their ability to do it. Yeah. And that's the reason that men don't answer it, but it's always focused on women. And it's so unequal the way that women are measured and mm-hmm. the success is that they have to work so much harder to be successful. And it's just not fair. It's not. It's not right at all. Confidence can be a challenge for individuals at various stages of their careers. How do you help women in this age group build and maintain confidence in their professional abilities? Well, usually I start with, as I mentioned earlier, telling them everything they've done has value. So they should start with a blank sheet of paper and they should write down all the things they've done, whether they were caregiver, whether they were parenting, whether they were manager of something, whether they were accountants, whether they were a lawyer, write down all your titles and then write down all the the aspects of that title that you had to do and transfer them into skills and understand that this is everything you're bringing to the table. So you have an enormous amount of value. And usually that helps women understand or build their confidence. The other thing is always talking to them about In building their confidence, I tell them to record themselves on their phone as if they were interviewing, have someone, a friend interview you, record on the phone, look back at it and critique yourself and ask your friends, how did I do? What were my strengths? What were my weaknesses? And go from that so that you can improve. And the last thing I tell them to build their confidence is before they go on an interview, always research understand the job that you're applying to, but also understand the company and its mission and what is it doing in the news and what does it need? Because then you can apply your skills to what the company's needs are and they'll understand. And if you do it from the perspective of being a storyteller, in my past experience, this is how I handled that and this is the success. They'll remember you. So it's very important to help you be confident, to understand what you've done, how much you've done. There are so many skills, for example, women who have taken career gaps to parent and they'll think that they do not have skills. Okay, well, did you volunteer at school? Did you organize class trips? Because if you negotiated with parents to come on class trips, you're really good at it. That's a good Did you handle a budget? Yeah, I mean, all of these things gave you skills. But we don't think about these things. We don't think about these things and how they can apply to our careers or when we're going to interview for a job. Is it, hey, I did this, I did this as not a work thing, but outside of my job and my career. Yep, exactly. That never comes into mind to think to use those. and It's so important. Yeah. I've never even thought about that stuff. I think that's great. And I love your tip about recording yourself being interviewed. Have yes. a friend interview. That's a great tip. Yes, yes. Because you're, you'll see, because as I say to them, from the moment, whether it's a face-to-face interview or a Zoom interview, from the moment they see you, they're judging you. Yes, absolutely. So you can't allow them or give them food to judge your age, whatever it is. So yeah, I think that's a, helpful. How important is mentorship for women over 40 and how do you encourage them to seek out and establish meaningful mentor-mentee relationships? I think that mentorships, I think, are always good. Having a mentor is, it's a two-way street, really. Yeah. And and it, it, as I say to, to my clients, you know, you may reach out to 10 people that say no, but then you'll have one that says yes and that's going to be very valuable. And you can approach, as far as finding a mentor, you can approach people through professional associations, through alumni associations, through 
professional peers. That's the beauty, I think, today of honestly of LinkedIn yeah. is that you filter down, you find the job you want, you find people in that job, and then you reach out. And after you reach out enough, you'll find one that will talk to you. And then you, what you're trying to do is plant a seed to build a relationship, yes. not to, it's not a one-off like it was years ago. It's building a relationship. So I think it's very important because you can learn skills, you can learn wisdom. That's the importance of the cross-generational teams is that you get the perspective from both sides. So the wisdom, the experience, it's it's very beneficial to everybody. As well as the younger version. Everyone sees things differently. Yeah receives it differently. So getting the input from both, again, makes it more successful. So you learn things, you build relationships that are invaluable, and you just gain so much from it. That I think it's critical. Absolutely. LinkedIn is a very powerful platform. Yes, it's a wonderful tool. What is one tip or takeaway that our listeners out there over 40 can implement immediately to help them in the workplace and start to achieve the success they want? I think that the one tip that I can give them is to speak up, as I said. It's not just if you have something that's disturbing to you to be concerned about, but it's promoting yourself, not aggressively, but if you, for example, worked on a project that resulted in something successful. For example, I had someone who worked for me who could look at a process and analyze it and always design something that would be more efficient. So if you're that type of person, well, then you need to talk to your manager and say, I worked on this project. We had excellent results. I was very excited and passionate about it. And I would really be interested in working on other projects or a role where it's focused on that project. I have a client right now who's trying to change departments. And so you, you, as I said to her, you need to come with the value. You can never come with a negative. I don't like what I'm doing, but you need to come with the value of what you bring, whether you're, it's an interview or whether you're in a job and you want to make a switch or be considered for a promotion. Mm-hmm. You need to promote yourself yeah. nicely and with quantifiable results and with quality. And when I recruited young people, especially, I would always say, take a journal from the day you start and write down everything you do once a week. You don't have to do it every day. Write down, what did I do this week? Because at the end of that year or two years or three, you won't remember everything you've done. No, of course And not. you've done a lot. Yeah. So you've learned a lot. You've contributed a lot. And so it's important when you do those things to promote yourself. And women are somewhat reluctant sometimes to do that, but they yeah. need to do it to get ahead. We all need to advocate for ourselves because no one else is going to do it for you. Absolutely. Helen, what do you think is your unique skill set or superpower that's helped you become successful? I think as a superpower, I would have to say that I have learned to be assertive. (laughs) As I said, I'm pretty direct. Sometimes that's considered a flaw, but I don't think so. But I've learned to be assertive. And I think that one of the most important things always is follow through. Whether you've been on an interview, I know younger people will not know what you're talking about. Yeah. But following up with a thank you, there's so little of it today, it makes you stand out. Following up and asking for feedback mm-hmm. and saying, I know I didn't get the job, but I would so appreciate a few minutes because it will help me in the future. Yeah. And some people will say no because they're concerned about liability, but some will give you some yeah. feedback. You don't know until you ask, right? So I think assertiveness, again, and follow through, those are very important and valuable. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? For me, 
success is helping people. There's a lot of pieces to it, but as an individual, it's being kind and professionally it's helping people. To me, that's success. I don't measure it by, do I have three clients on my agenda today, on my calendar today? It's, am I helping people when yeah. I- Yeah, if I helped one person today, yes, I'm exactly. successful. It's a great day. Exactly. If I have, when I do events sometimes, I did one last year where the feedback was enormous and people said, we want more Helen. And it was just so flattering. <laughs> it was so cute. And that to me is success. More that Helen, I helped more that Helen. Day. <laughs> I love it. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what was your life like after learning it? The most important thing I think is that everything can change in an instant. And that is something I learned six years ago mm-hmm. when my husband passed. And before I had someone that I could consult with, someone who talked me off the edge when I was there, someone who, when I had to make a big decision, I had someone to bounce it off with. And after that, it was, I had to make all the decisions. I had to decide what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be, what I wanted to pursue, and just put one foot in front of the other and move forward. And I know you know that as well. You've dealt with loss. Most Mm -hmm. people have. So I think that knowing that life can change in that minute is valuable lesson. In a New York minute, it can change exactly. completely. You can hit, be in a different direction. It's yeah, that's yeah. life right? and, and unexpected, just yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does the word empowerment mean to you, Helen? Empowerment to me means a couple of things. It means personally being able to do something. So being empowered to be the public speaker or to be the coach or to be the excellent candidate that gets the job. So it's you empower yourself, but it's also speaking up. And as I said before, making people aware of things, you're empowered to enable some more change. Every individual can make a dent in the change that's needed. So that's, to me, very empowering to be able to discuss it. And just as with you, to be able to sit here and talk about these discriminations and how we need to change them is empowering. Well, I think that conversation is the catalyst for change. That's mm-hmm. where everything starts is with conversation because if you're not talking about it, people aren't made aware because there's so many people walking around that have no idea what's going on. So once we start to have the conversations, and again, this I think this ties back to the listening. When you go into those conversations about these things, go in with open ears and an open mind. You never know what that person or what those people in that group that you're having that conversation with can shed light on. It might completely change your view point or it might give you pause to think about something that you never thought about before. Absolutely. And as you said, there are people walking around that are not connected. And interestingly, they can also be victims of it and they're just accepting it. And that's what part of what needs to change. Absolutely. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? I would have to say, I'm sure people say this often, but it would have to be my mother because when I was Six, my father died and she was a single mom and there were eight of us. I was the youngest of eight and she just plowed forward and took care of us. And she was a very strong and independent woman. And I think that's what she taught me to be. And so I think she'd have to be the person that influenced me the most. Beautiful. What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? I think being my age and being healthy, being as healthy as I am. I wake up in the morning and go, yeah, okay. Not bad. I walk a few miles every day and for you. And I started that 
during COVID. And so I just have my regular checkups and knock wood, nothing else wrong. <laughs> our health and is so our health, think, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that you can't get, again, being a caregiver, you can't get just out of the blue. You have to work on it, but it's a gift for you. So that's what I wake up in the morning and think is impressive that I was given this <laughs> and I'm still here doing it. So yeah. I always remember my grandfather saying that if I could have my health mm -hmm. and not have money, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd take health over money any day because yes. if you're healthy, you can go out and make the money. If you have the money and you're not healthy, right. what good is it? You can't right. enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. We've seen that with so many people of notice that have been sick. And, yeah. yeah. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions, just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Brave. My daughter told me I was brave. So I take her word for it. <laughs> <laughs> if you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? To be compassionate. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? My determination. What is one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Your health. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? I would have to say that I was a good mom. What is one of your favorite entrepreneurial books? Oh, this is tough because most of my reading is on longevity and women. So I'd have to veer a little and say Anti-Sexist by Lynn Schmidt, I love, and Breaking the Age Code by Becca Levy. Beautiful. Those are one related to age and one women. Yeah. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What challenge in your life has shaped you the most, would you say? I think probably going back to it, being raised by a single mother. I think it made me stronger, I think, and more independent because of what she had to do to raise us. But yeah, I think it, it created, I heard on a study once that children who lost a parent at a young age have trouble planning because they think, again, that things change in an instant. Yeah. And so I tell my children, that's why I don't plan anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to get out of planning. Exactly. <laughs> it's a valid excuse. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? Oh, goodness. You can't please everyone. Sometimes you have to move on. <laughs> yes, absolutely. What would you say is one of the most important lessons you've learned in business? Always be honest. How do you celebrate your wins, Helen? I smile. <laughs> <laughs> I once, when I was in sales and won awards, my boss would say, oh, don't get too excited. Don't dance on the desk because I'm very you calm. You just had a smile and that was it. <laughs> very even keel. <laughs> yes. Helen, what is your why? To help people. My why is to help people. As I said, when I was in recruiting and I thought about it later, what aspect of it was it that made me go to work every day? And it was helping people. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of why we're all here is to help, support, lift, cheerlead each other. That's part of our responsibility on this planet. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Oh my God, there's so many, Brad. I know. I don't know. I mean, I admire everyone older than me who's <laughs> who's walking and talking and doing it. I mean, it would be like Gloria Steinem, which I did meet at a conference oh. in Baltimore, Jane Fonda maybe, or Madonna, because she takes no prisoners. Yeah. She's been judged and judged, and yet she does her thing and takes she, that it. That woman is a trendsetter. Or Cher, who someone asked her when she was going to retire, and she said, go ask Mick Jagger. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a brilliant answer. I love that.
So I would again, have that to speaks, them that all. speaks that speaks to the ageism thing again. Why are you <laughs> asking a woman? Does anyone ask a Mick Jagger? Exactly. Beautiful. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, it goes back to that confidence. Never underestimate yourself. Never underestimate. Even when I was young, yeah, I did that a lot. And yeah. And it's what women carry with them. And as I said in my studies, we talked about how when children are little, and this continues today, a little girl can go cry and a boy's not allowed, but a boy can make noise and answer every question, but the girl shouldn't. Sit there and be quiet. Yes. yes. Look be pretty. Sit, yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There's the conditioning on both sides, right? Boys, like you said, stop your crying. Don't be a little girl. Pull up your big boy pants and let's go. Let's move on. And it's bullshit. All of it. It is. Absolutely. Lastly, Helen, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Well, I read somewhere and agree that the only reason to give a speech is to change the world. So it would have to be something you just said bullshit so I can say it. Something about (laughs) age discrimination is bullshit. (laughs) Helen, thank you so very much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. Can you share a little bit about where people can connect with you if they want to work with you, if they want to learn more about who you are and the work you do, your website, your links? I mean, I'll put them all in the show notes, but would you mind sharing where people can connect with you? Sure. Thank you. Yes, they can get to my website, Tanagi.com, T-A-N-A-G-U-I, and they can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook, either one of those. And I'm more than happy to answer questions if people have questions. As I say at my events, just go book my 15 minutes and I'll answer your question if we didn't cover it. So more than happy. But thank you for your time. It's been really fun talking to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story, your journey, and the beautiful light you put out into the world through your work you do. It's been an absolute honor. I am honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you so much. I hope you have a beautiful rest of the day. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share and Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.